And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome back to Until Saturday for perhaps the most serious tree season podcast because we're talking about the SEC. I'm Ari Wasserman, joined by my SEC smart co-host, Dave Ubbin. Is that a is that a good way to put it? Now, Dave, before I properly introduce you and let you let you come into this, I want to let you know, and I and I'm saying this. And I don't want to disparage bald people, but I got a, <laughs> a, a fresh fade today, a new haircut, okay. and a beard lineup. Okay. And I got to say, I puts a little bit of extra pep in my step when I get that. And yeah. you know, I, I'm feeling I'm feeling myself, you know, a little bit today. So if it kind of bleeds into uh, the pod a little bit, I apologize because fresh fade Ari is kind of intolerable sometimes. Well, I pay a visit to the barber in my shower twice a week or so, and I do find my I do find the way. I find myself uh, sort of rubbing my head a lot for the 24 mm-hmm. hours after. What do you do with that thing? Um, you do like a fresh razor and then... Harry's, baby. Um, sponsor the show. Yeah. <laughs> Harry's Look, was, razors, man. I've never had to do that, but I've just been like afraid that like I will nick the top of my head and that would be so painful. I've done it a couple times, but I've done it enough now where it's not too big of a deal. Unfortunately, I don't have any like weird stuff going on with my head. It's rather... It's reps, dude. It's reps. Um, so yeah, reps helps. Uh, you do you know do the shaving cream on there, or do you just go dry? You take dry yeah, hacks on yeah, that thing. Yeah, you could okay. go dry, but I go sh- sometimes I go dry on the face in the shower. But I do, I do the the shaving cream. Yeah, so. you don't, you don't ever have a beard either. But you know, well, I that's just because I can't grow facial hair. It's a mess, Ari. You don't want to see me if I don't shave. For- it's it's a problem because yeah. yeah, this doesn't connect, so it's like a trash stash, and then just like chin music with patchy side. It's a problem. It's I, I see a sex icon in the. <laughs> right there um before we get into it uh be sure to follow the podcast on apple spotify wherever you get your podcasts um that way each new episode that we have uh is released directly to you if you could leave a five-star review as we're ramping this thing back up we would greatly appreciate it um obviously those reviews help uh with exposure and of course convincing our employer that this is worth doing <laughs> right uh, you can yeah. also check out until saturday on youtube just hit the subscribe button and whenever we get new videos published uh you'll be uh, seeing those and the description or the uh, the link to the YouTube channels in the show description. And we'll be doing the live Saturday night shows that everybody loved so much last year. And, you know, that'll be exclusively on YouTube on Saturday nights. And then, of course, published the next day. So uh, today we're going to talk about the five juiciest preseason storylines for the SEC. Five-ish. And the thing that I've – yeah, the five-ish, uh, it might bleed into eight. But the thing I noticed, Dave, and I'm happy you brought that up, is that they kind of bleed into one another. You know, mm-hmm. the, the hope is by the time we're done with the show, we'll have uh, an informative and comprehensive discussion about the SEC. Um, so what the – let's just start with this, okay, from SEC Media Days. I thought the most interesting thing from SEC Media Days was Josh Heupel coming out and demanding that everybody understands that Tennessee is the one real UT. Texas coming into the league now. Which school has the real claim to being able to call itself UT? There's only one real UT. Well, I mean, you're living in Knoxville. You covered that team for a while. What's what's your take on that one? So I was actually going to mock you, Ari, for not being in the SEC footprint, but you are the one that lives in the host of the 2024 uh, right. SEC Media Day. So props to you. I've actually tackled this issue in the past because obviously I spent a lot of time in Texas. Let me throw two numbers at you, Ari. Tennessee, the University of Tennessee, founded in 1794. The University of Texas founded in 1883. That is almost a century for those of you math uh, math whizzes out there. Uh, I believe that's 89 years where there was legitimately only one UT. So if we're calling Do you ever just, like, picture what going to college in like 1750 was like? Uh, a lot of white people, not a lot of black people. That's usually that's that's, that's mostly. <laughs> I wasn't what I think going was. there, but okay. <laughs> Just thought like the dorms and the chicks, I feel like man. It would, not have been, it would not have been a pleasant experience for me at most universities. Yeah. but uh, I had a good experience um, <laughs> in my own experience. But that was like 2005. Things changed a little bit. But so if we want to say there's only one UT, 
uh, Ari, there was literally only one UT for like almost a hundred years. So I find this whole conversation sort of corny and kind of lame. But if we're going to get down to the quote unquote real UT, although I agree that Texas's brand is bigger and certainly their bank account is bigger and their uh, endowment is bigger and their oil Keep money going. is bigger. There is a pretty strong case that the real UT resides in Knoxville, Tennessee. So I'm I'm not looking forward to this argument. I feel like it's going to be a, a conversation piece in the new SEC for a while. I'm pre-annoyed at it. Um, but hey. Well, I really started this podcast on. on the right foot then, huh? I mean, I, I just know, like, right? as we're recording this on my <laughs> birthday, let me tell you that things don't always get better with age. So uh, This is true. I've learned why this don't we the just, hard way. Why don't we just hop into the juicy stuff, Dave? Okay. Because mm-hmm. uh, I've been waiting six-ish weeks or maybe six-ish months to really dive into this. Will the Jimbo Fisher, Bobby Petrino marriage work at Texas A&M? Yes. Yes, it will. Let me tell you this, Ari. I, I get the skepticism, and I get, you know, every conversation I've had with the coaches over the last 10 years is them laughing and asking how much it would cost to have a reality show uh, in those coaches' meetings and, and seeing what those are like. I get that. They're strong personalities, big egos, a lot of those things. But here's the thing. This is a results business, and there's a lot more reasons in the things that matter that this is going to work than that it's not. Okay, and I get that Jimbo might meddle. Jimbo's a pretty good offensive mind, too. Um, But at the end of the day, you have a bunch of really good players. You have a good offensive line. You have a really promising quarterback in Connor Wegman. You kept Devin Stewart out of the portal. You added Ruben Owens. You've still got Anaya Smith. Listen, A&M is well positioned to make some noise. So while I do think it will be hilarious if it doesn't work and we could get some incredible press conferences Jimbo's delivered a couple of those uh, over the years, and Jimbo's insistence on sort of leaning on this as a collaborative play calling process and not sort of saying, hey, this is Bobby, this is your show. It's going to work because they have good players and and, and not to lean on the most uh, frequently heard, um, you know, uh, uh, sort of uh, idea in college sports. And Ari, I think you'll enjoy this, but Jimmy's and Joe's not X's and O's, you know, and. I think there were a lot of problems with X's and O's at Texas A&M last year. I think they fixed that. I tell you what, they don't have a problem with is Jimmy's and Joe's. There's a lot of those guys uh, running around at A&M. So it's going to work because they got talent. Yeah, the thing that I think is really interesting about Texas A&M is that um, everybody wants to create this contrived feud between Jimbo Fisher and Bobby Petrino that doesn't exist yet. Like mm-hmm. the fantasy, uh, the way that you would look at it from like a, a fantasy sitcom or drama show would be that, you know, Jimbo medals, Jimbo can't. Uh, you know, give up the playbook. Bobby Petrino, who's been a head coach at multiple places and has shown that he's a, a really good offensive mind, can't come in there and actually cook the way that he was hired to. And then this big explosion happens. And it's like, well, mm-hmm. they don't even the have fact, a history. Yeah, they don't have a history of that. And the fact that Bobby Petrino was hired was a admission uh, that Jimbo Fisher felt like he needed help to freshen the offense up. And the thing that I think is interesting mm-hmm. about what you just said um, is that the idea that Jimbo Fisher is a great offensive mind um isn't something that you get to keep just because you were good at it before. You know, mm-hmm. I think that there is ability to to get stale or to outage what your your gift once was, and to actually need somebody to come in um, and help and freshen up some ideas. And Bobby Petrino, I know, is not the youngest guy in the world either, but. I don't care if he's afraid to admit that Bobby Petrino is going to call plays at media days because that's a big deal. That's a big talking point. The fact of the matter is, is that he hired the guy. The actions are speaking louder than the words here. And the thing that we both understand about the sport and the people who listen to this podcast understand is that it's so much easier to fix X's and O's messes up like mess ups than to, mm-hmm. to replace a roster. And, you know, the thing with Texas A&M that I think people just have lost sight of because it's been so easy to make fun of them is that. If that clicks and Wegman takes a huge step forward, they've got the offensive skill talent. Um, they are like in the pantheon of elite teams. Like they have the talent. They are closer to Georgia and Alabama. They're still than like they a are top to the, six or seven roster. Yes, they even with yes. the portal losses. And like uh, they had a lot of transfers last year, but I think they kept the majority of that crazy good class that they signed two years ago, which Dave uh, going into year two of their career should be ready to contribute at a higher level. So like I am, uh, I guess prone 
to consistently buying into both uh, dysfunctional Texas programs, uh, as you uh, you know know about my affinity for <laughs> Texas and and whatever. But you know, I can never get past the idea that if you have the ingredients, that the coach's job, the one that has a buyout that's worth more than my home, um, you know, knows that you know things need to be fixed. If you have those ingredients, you have to trust that those guys are able to do what their job is paying them to do, and it's a lot of money. So you know, I don't know if this makes us you know lackeys or you know gullible, but like I am a hundred percent into the idea that you know the notion that that Texas A&M could be a top 10 team by week six. Now they have a, a tough ish schedule. You know, I know they go to Miami in week two and Miami. I saw had more preseason ACC uh, all Americans from uh, pro football focus or, or PFF than mm-hmm. uh, any, than Florida state and Clemson combined. My friend, buddy Elliot tweeted about that. I thought that was interesting, uh, but Texas A&M has the ingredients. And I think that when a team has ingredients, I'm much more prone to look past X's and O's problems and much more likely to say, you know what? They've got the coaches there to do it. You have a head coach that had some issues. He fixed those issues with the hire. That guy is here in Petrino to fix that. And like, I'll let the drama play out if it happens, but I'm not going to predict that because it's kind of an insane thing to predict to me. Let me throw some numbers at you, Ari, before we move on. Yeah, please. Last season, a Bobby Petrino coached Missouri state team scored 27 points against Arkansas. They almost won the game. They almost they were winning the game and then Rocket Sanders got loose. They were they probably should have won that game. I believe they were up double digits in the fourth quarter. They were yeah. Cincinnati scored twenty four. Texas A and M scored twenty three. LSU, who won the West, scored thirteen points against Arkansas last year. Uh, Hugh Freeze's Liberty team scored twenty one points against them, and Missouri scored twenty seven against them. Uh, so with a roster of FCS players, Bobby Petrino walked into Fayetteville, Arkansas, uh, where he's coached a few games. Uh, you should read. Uh, Are you and I once teamed up for a a game? <laughs> hey, that's a, that's a tale for part, another day. <laughs> yeah, that's a tale for another day. But we once teamed up for a, a Bobby Petrino story last year. Um, but ultimately, I think Bobby hadn't lost it. Uh, I think he just has has gotten himself into a position in his career where he didn't have a chance to coach really, really good players. You know, the recruiting at, at Louisville fell off. Um, and then obviously, you know, he could be a difficult person to work with at times. Uh, you know, the stories about, about him at Arkansas are, are rather legendary um, in, in terms of just day-to-day stuff. But he's got some good players now, and he can still call some ball plays. There's only one concern that I have, and I think that it's a fair criticism of Texas A&M. But the thing that Texas A&M does whenever there's a problem because of the hunger to win there is that they throw money at a problem and they put maybe the chemistry piece to it as a second secondary issue. Now, if you can get the chemistry part, then you're in a pretty good position. But when you assemble a team that has NIL as the number one forefront of what people think is, is the reason for this team is to have the talent that they do. And then you coach get as mercenaries is the name is the word that comes up quite a bit about AM's roster. That might be an issue. Yes. <laughs> and then on top of that, you hire an offensive coordinator who is a brilliant offensive mind, but also has some, you know, skeletons in his closet from a reputation standpoint coming into this thing. And then you're kind of adding in more grease to a fire that if a flame hits it, then it's like, oh God, this could be a disaster. So, you know, they're all adults there. Um, they've got a really good team, and I think that it's a very, very rational thought process to buy into the idea that AM could be good. And I've been seeing like polls where they're, you know, finishing third or fourth in their division. And it's like, I don't know where you're seeing that. And maybe it's just the, the Texas disease where it's just like they never reach their potential. But like, I think they're much better than that. Or should high be. ceiling, high ceiling. Don't rule out the fact that they might finish higher than Alabama. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream direct TV satellite-free. You see, 
this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. You know, at the end of the show, I forgot to say that we're going to be handing out awards, yes. uh, breakout team, offensive player of the year, defensive player of the year, coach of the year and conference champion. I don't know if you just tipped your hand because I haven't seen your answers yet, but okay. finishing ahead of Alabama might, <laughs> might have tipped your hand a little bit there. And I, I'm actually percolating just getting to that point, but let's get to the number two um, storyline here is Brian Kelly about the show, why he came to the South to find his new family. How do you say family. that? I don't know. I can't do the Southern twang. Family. I can't do it. I've to it more. I have gained a respect for the terrible accent. But I got to tell you, I know I've been in the South too long because the first time I heard it, I was like, I don't hear the accent. <laughs> but isn't the whole thing that it was such a bad impersonation of it that anybody from the authentic South would know that he's full of shit? Like, isn't that well, the whole thing? Well, there's a lot of different kinds of Southern accents. Uh and that was not really Cajun. It was a very odd mix of things. I, I, I'm not sure. Um, but either way, uh, what a debut for Brian Kelly. And he keeps a lot. And Well, let know, me tell you I this, think, Dave. My mother's from yes. Israel. I don't know if you know this. And she has a thick accent. Mm-hmm. She has a thick accent to this day. I'm 36 years old. Jeez. 36 years old. And she still, still. has a very thick accent. And whenever we go back to Israel and she's with her family, she adopts her thicker accent to speak. This like- happens to my wife as well. My wife is from Pigeon Forge. And when we were in Dallas, um, for most of our relationship, it, it, you didn't hear her that thick of an accent. And then when she would come back to Tennessee, you would it would be it would noticeably change for like a week. <laughs> now the question is, and this is the million dollar question here is, can you adopt an accent you never had because you've been spending time around the people who have that heavy accent? That to me, like, is there a conspiracy theory out there where he wasn't acting and it just was an accident because he kind of was blending in? Maybe or do you think he the, intentionally was lying? It's possible that just the spirit of the gumbo took over his body in that moment, and, and he didn't know idea for lunch today. Yeah, yeah, that's all. That's all an interesting question. But I think to our question, Ari, I think I'm driving the LSU as a national title contender bus. You are this year. I've I've heard uh, it from other people, but you are like the highest yes. on the bandwagon. Yeah, and I, the I, thing the, the, this team from from what we saw in the. Labor Day nightmare somehow LSU victory to the end of the season. Those teams were unrecognizable from one another. And most importantly, Jane Daniels was unrecognizable from the Jane Daniels that we saw to mm-hmm. start the season. So I think that continues on. Uh, this team has so many impact players. And at the end of the day, that's a lot of what decides championships depth. Yes. I, I know that's an issue, but you got to have dudes that will make plays constantly. And LSU has them all over the field. Everywhere. And I guess it's, it's within the realm of possibility because I don't even know if there's a debate right now. Is there another player in the SEC that you think is a better defender than Harold Perkins? No. And I guess maybe no. we'll get into this. But I'm not I think sure he, there's a better player in the entire country. In the country. Right. Yes. So I think that the number one thing with – and I've, I've shared with you my worries about depth. And ironically speaking, uh, Brian Kelly – uh, volunteered that as a thing that he's concerned about at SEC media days. Um, and I've covered enough football in my career to know that if you have one or two uh, bad breaks, uh, you're in a pretty bad position if you lack that depth. Now, the question really, um, you know, if you look past some of the guys that they brought in from the portal that, you know, are are coming in to provide depth or play at pretty crucial positions there, especially on defense, is do you believe – that it's possible that LSU will have the offensive and defensive player of the year in the SEC this year in the in terms of Jaden Daniels developing into a bona fide like Heisman Trophy like star. I don't think they're going to put up crazy numbers offensively. I think they're just going to be physical and efficient. I don't think I don't think we have like a thirty five touchdown season coming from Jaden Daniels. But I think the way that they I think they figured out how to use him in a strategic way that hey 
we're going to use his legs and allow all that stuff. And you saw the biggest thing from him is he learned to trust the offense. You know, that was the biggest thing that you saw that that was kind of like very concerning in that opener last year was he you, you, he would look downfield and you'd see him make one, maybe two reads. And if it wasn't there, I'm running, I'm running. And maybe those are bad habits from Arizona State and it took him a while to, to get out of them. But by the end of the season, that was not what we were seeing. And they figured out how to use him uh, more strategically in some, some called runs. And I think, too, you know, for one, when you talk about depth, LSU is the same team that lost a possible dare I say probable All-American defensive tackle last year in Mason Smith in the first half, still won the West, still beat Bama in year one. And the other most important spot, quarterback, I think Garrett Nussmeyer is more than capable of still winning a national title with LSU with this team as currently uh, um, put together. So even if you lose Jane Daniels, I still think you can do anything that's on the table for you. And they already dealt with a big injury last year and still survived it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that it is an interesting thought to go to national championship contender. But Dave, when you look around the country um, at complete teams, and maybe we'll depart a little bit from the SEC for 30 seconds, but who is the most complete team in the country? In Georgia, right? I think that we can just assume that that's the case, and they have the easiest schedule ever assembled in the history of Division One football. Mm-hmm. Um, but who are the other three teams that don't have huge question marks nationally that you would pencil in to the college football playoff right now. Like you could just do the, the basic Ohio state Alabama thing. But the next question on our, our, our our list here is going to be about Alabama and the questions there. Like, I think that it's possible that if things click the right way for LSU, that there's at least a pathway to being one of the four best teams because there aren't any Mm -hmm. bona fide uh, issueless rosters right now. Yeah, and I think they have the top-line talent that if you tried to match them up with Ohio State or you match them up with Michigan or you match them up with Georgia, who they may see in Atlanta, I would say probably see in Atlanta, um, I, I still think they can they can hang. Um, you know, Georgia's certainly the best team, but I think if Georgia doesn't win it all this year, I, I like LSU. Number three, if Bama goes 9-3, and three, is the dynasty dead? And will they go 9-3? and three? I I do think... Bama is not going to be able to score, but I, I, I think let's stop. I'm stopping way, way, way short of saying, oh, Saban's lost his fastball. I think Saban just has a quarterback problem this year, and I think if you had a great quarterback again, you could make some. You could hide some of these issues. I'm not. I think the offensive line. I think people are sleeping on it. I don't know that they're going to be demonstrably better. Um, receiver. They have a ton of issues. Their game breakers aren't there. Uh, you know, running back. You know, does Jace McClellan give you enough? Uh, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, but isn't their personality going to be, uh, you know, with J.C. Latham, I think one of the best offensive linemen in the country, uh, who at uh, SEC Media Days declared that Alabama will win a national championship, which is how you absolutely know that Alabama feels disrespected this year because they never should. in the past. The disrespect <laughs> is real this time. Like the rat poison thing with him has always been so funny to me, but it's like, you're not getting rat poison. You're getting rat, like rat dinner. Like yeah, everybody, like this entire theme of this podcast and anybody who talks about Alabama is just like how they're not going to be able to score, how the dynasty's over, how Georgia took it from them. And like, I understand like the top, the top line talent thing, but like, if they have an incredible defense, which I think that we can just automatically assume, right? I think it's true, yes. So we add the incredible defense, add Nick Saban in a position to solve an issue or to adapt to a problem, mm-hmm. uh, add the fact that he's the greatest coach in the history of college football, and then, like, think about the offensive line, and depending on who the starting quarterback is there, even if it's Milrow, maybe it's not, but that guy can jam the ball down your throat on the ground. And then, mm-hmm. I don't know, just like picturing Justice Haynes, the five-star freshman running back this year, like turning into somebody who can smash the ball down your throat. Like, can Alabama win games in the SEC by shutting you ass down on defense and grinding you to a pulp on offense without having, uh, you know, Devontae uh, out there torching people like it. No, I think that they, I think they, I think the they can SEC squeeze by. No, the SEC's changed. There's too many good offenses in this league now. You cannot win games 21-17 like you could in 2012. Yeah, because you in cannot the playoff, do that in the current SEC. It's in not the playoff. 
even the best teams, like what was the final score of the Georgia Ohio State game last year? Wasn't it like 55, 52, something like yeah, that? Yeah, like I think that I guess in this world, if you want to be a national champion, you probably have to have an offense that can score 35 to 42 points against an elite defense. Yes. Um, they so do you, not have that. <laughs> and if, I think if, you have to have an offense to score 40 points against a lot of defenses. I'm a, not sure Obama has that either. Is it a fact that they don't? Like, that's the only thing. It's like, I think it's very easy to look at the if roster. If they do, I'll be very surprised. How about that? Yeah. So, listen, it's very plausible that Alabama loses three games this year, you know, mm-hmm. or two, right? I mean, I don't know if it's going to get the four because I, I just have too much respect for what they have on that roster and the coach that's coaching them to think that they're going to stink. Mm-hmm. But I think that this dynasty is dead stuff is crap. And, like, I don't I know totally how many years that Saban, Saban has left. But they just signed a recruiting class last year that has nine five-star prospects in one cycle. That's like four times or five times more double, <laughs> five times more than 85% of the Power 5 programs will sign in a 10-year period, let alone mm-hmm. one. Yeah. So I do think that if he gets a dynam- dynamic quarterback – oh, and by the way, I was at the Elite 11 and – uh Julian Sayan is going to be a freaking stud. Like the combination of what's coming in and Nick Saban, um, you know, being there. I think that like the over under. I mean, the over under from how many more national championships Saban will win is probably uh, 0.5 or a half. I'm taking the over on that. I'll take the over with you on that. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're a quarterback away from being. Right back in something great. And, and the I think thing too, about their quarterback, Dave, is they've got like five, like in theory, good ones. Like, now like I, why I do they say all too, stink? We'll get into some of this later. Not crazy about the coordinator hires. Either one of them. Yeah. That's Although, sort of another sort of thing that people are sleeping on. Because I wonder how this conversation will be different. Because last year, you know, everybody was, there was so much consternation in Alabama. And, and the, the drum beat you heard was Cliff Kingsbury and Jeremy Pruitt. Cliff Kingsbury and Jerry Pruitt. That's why everybody was like so excited. And then you get Tommy Reese and Kevin Steele, and then the sort of the, the air is let out of the balloon a little bit. A little well, bit. That's it's because like wanted. Alabama, who is supposed to be the coordinator makeover machine, mm-hmm. should be able to get whoever they want. And like, mm-hmm. do you lose something off of your fastball just because you don't get the guys that you want? Like, is that an indication that there's something off there? Well, I th- I would say that there's a case to be made that that's probably who Saban did want. He just he just said at SEC Media Days that Tommy Reese is one of the greatest young minds in college football. We'll see. He's got enough players. <laughs> I do love the idea. I just love it. And it's not just an Alabama thing, but I love when a coach gets elevated to a program that just has way better players than everybody else and like allowing they, them to they, fiddle they with to that. They look a little better. They look like <laughs> awesome. So like it, there is that, like I just, the, the the theme with Alabama to me is potential and all the things that we do about slamming the door shut on them. I think that Nick Saban has just earned more of a benefit of the doubt in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, and the only thing that you could say about is the dynasty dead is, is Georgia the new dynasty? But I do think that Alabama will break through and get one more before he retires. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Other side, of, other side of the Iron Bowl, Ari. Number four on the other side of the Iron Bowl. Um, oh, it's Iron Bowl. We, we I don't know. I'm, I'm from Phoenix, bro. Like, I'm not like, <laughs> quit, it, quit making fetch happen. It's just not going to happen. Okay. Uh, I, say it again. I'm going to try. I'm going to try. The Iron Bowl. Iron Bowl. <laughs> That's pretty good. We got to get Ari a bowl of grits now. Yeah, I, I got to get the LSU job or at least a salary that comes with it or something. Oh, you know, I, I have had grits, but it's not a thing for me. Um, I'm is fine grits, with grits. Grits is cream of wheat, right? No, it's a, it's cream of wheat's cousin. It's very, very similar, but they're not quite the same. But they're if you've had cream of wheat, you've had the essence of grits, but you okay. have then, had then, grits. Yeah. When I was a kid, I used to have cream of wheat a lot. That was like a thing that died with me. I don't know what it is, but like when I was a it's kid, still, my parents used to make it. hard. I like some cream of wheat. My parents used to make it for me all the time. I don't think I've had a bowl of cream of wheat in 20 years. <laughs> like, I feel like I you used to have it every day. go to the store, day. Ari. What make happened? It happen. what? It's still out there. Do you have there, any foods me, that there. just have disappeared from your diet? Like that, now uh, that we're talking actually, about it. Like, I will say before this episode, I was eating some Dunkaroos. Uh, so, yes, the Dunkaroos But you went down the back. nostalgia path? Which which uh, one did you get? The chocolate icing or the or the? They're vanilla? just the regular ones. The uh, the standard Dunkaroos here. Uh, yeah. We're giving a lot of free advertising on the show, Ari. I got to well, say, listen, we gotta tighten like this it, up. it is crazy, but you know, <laughs> you and I are the same age, right? How old are you? I just you're nine days younger than me, Ari. You just turned 
36. Yes. But like, I'll go back and I'll look at like these things on Instagram or whatever. And I'll just see like nostalgia from our childhood. I don't and, like, even have an Instagram account. Ari, our dog. No, does, but, I, but, I don't but I'll just one. see like the NFL blitz machine, uh, blockbuster, <laughs> um, you know, Tamagotchis, like all the things that we used to like gravitate to. And it's like, we are actually just like the it's over for us. Like it's, it's been 20 Pretty years much. since that stuff. And I do think that a '90s theme bar would kick it. Like if you if you just like opened a bar, and and you know, I believe somebody. I think at some point somewhere there was a perfect recreation of the Max on Saved by the Bell that you could go eat at. Somewhere. Oh, really? Well, you I know, feel like, like that was a thing. I don't want to give away any more free advertisement, but but homage the the <laughs> shirt brand. Yeah, you have you seen that before? It's kind of like Homefield. No. Um, no. It's just like all like the retro NBA jam type stuff, like from our, our childhood. Um, if they just opened up a bar that resembled that, I think that would be awesome. Cause like we're at the point now where 90s is nostalgic. Like we're. Listen, I, I have blocked so many career shots with Akeem Olajuwon on NBA jam. I've made a lot of people throw some controllers with Akeem. Uh, I used to break my Sega Dreamcast controllers. <laughs> I remember one time I was a I was a kid and I was playing NFL 2K on Sega Dreamcast, which was the biggest jump in graphics in the history of video I games. Will, quick, quick aside: Why did we get away from the play calling inside the controller? That's a great innovation. It was, they just nobody ever doubled up take, on. It's a fantastic idea. You can stop take, the cheating immediately. Well, they did stop the cheating because if you hold down the button, you can keep scrolling. Yeah, and if you I let know go, that's a good that's a good side. But but for a while there, the fact that you can call plays inside the controller is fantastic. That was well, the lack of innovation and evolution in the controller is kind of like the airplane. It's like the airplane's the same thing it was when it was invented. Well, you know, they there tried might be nicer seats, and it's like it's kind of cool. But it's like at the end of the but day, the fact that the controller doesn't have a screen, like the PS5 controller yeah, doesn't have a point. screen, like you would think it would have a screen. But I I was playing NFL 2K with a buddy, and I slammed like I was a spike like a touchdown celebration (laughs) in anger the second dreamcast controller and uh it exploded all over the tile in our house and i heard steps (laughs) it was my father running running from the other side of the house and i'll tell you to this day i've never been more terrified of what was coming next right around the corner there okay on the other side of the iron bowl nice what is a fair expectation for Hugh Freeze in year one, and what about beyond? Well, he inherited a, a bad roster. I think Brian Harson had a lot of recruiting issues. Um, you know, I don't want to use the term lazy. I don't think that's necessarily always fair because it is a difficult. He job. just didn't get it, bro. Just he just but didn't, didn't get understand it. how yeah. cutthroat it was. Um, you have you can't just recruit Alabama in the state of Auburn, or if you're if you're running Auburn's program, if you're in the state of Alabama. But when a ton of Alabama high school coaches are just like, I haven't seen him. I don't know. You know, I don't know their staff that well. It's not good. That's not good. And they're pay- they pay the price for it. So Hugh Freeze does get it, obviously. <laughs> Trying to fix some things and putting together a roster like he did at Ole Miss is much easier in the NIL era. Uh, and Auburn is hungry. Auburn wants to wants to win some ball games. So, you know. I think at the end of the day, you just gotta try to get to a bowl game. I think that's that's pretty. You know, you're not gonna win nine, ten games with this roster. But here's the thing: Dave. but you want to get to the postseason, and you want to be competitive against Alabama, the best teams that you play. If you are thinking that Alabama is in a position to potentially lose three games this year, Auburn could be one of them. Is Auburn the one season. of those? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. First of all, it's the Iron Bowl, so anything can happen. It's the end of the season, so in theory, with a first-year coach, you'll have made a lot of improvements. Um, and, and and Hugh Freeze can still scheme up some ball plays. Now, I will say, yes, were some of the Ole Miss wins over Alabama pretty fluky? Sure, they were. I don't think that's but, a blueprint. That's I'm not saying that it would be, but that's not a blueprint. Well, I'm just saying it could happen. He can still scheme it up. I don't think Alabama's going to be able to score. We'll see what Peyton Thorne offers them. Um, you know, I think he wins that job at, at, at Auburn pretty easily. I think, you know, I like what we see from Robbie Ashford, um, you know, but I think Peyton Thorne's the guy there. Um, you know, Jarquez Hunter's still pretty solid. We'll see what they can do defensively. Keeping keeping Cadillac around is great for, for your culture, obviously, mm-hmm. and, 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 and to help, you know, have a voice on the coaching staff that the players already respect. They don't have to earn nearly as much respect when you have Cadillac speaking for you. So... Um, you know, I ultimately, I don't think they're gonna be a great team, but I think they'll be feisty. I think they could steal one, well, and that might be the Bama game. Yeah, this year, 
I think that if you have the thing with with Harson is that I think that he would be a very good coach at the like at a place that where he came from. Like you know, like, or like yeah, or yeah. I'm saying like a group of five program, yeah. That where it is about evaluating and and trying to find diamonds in the rough, and where you don't have to engage in recruiting at the highest level. Um, mm-hmm. you know, there are programs that do it that way and and create very good tough teams all the time and in every Power Five conference. But at Auburn, that just doesn't work. So you have Hugh Freeze here. Um, and you are Mr. Flip the roster because, I mean, you, you're like our Colorado beat writer. So, you know, Pretty you've much. gotten fr- and like Hugh Freeze. Um, I will say this. Auburn is in more recruiting battles than they were by a long shot a year ago. So I don't know what necess- like what's necessarily a n- really good prediction for like how good they're going to be this year. But I think based on just the illustration of what he's been able to do so far as a recruiter. And the fact that he will embrace NIL and kind of knows exactly who he has to beat out on the trail. Get that collective to, humming. Get that collective humming. Like, <laughs> like the, you know what blows my mind, dude? It's just like how many coaches just fundamentally don't get it. Like if yes. you're a power five coach and that means like one of the 65. And I guess if you want to add uh, NFL got fired there. for it. <laughs> yeah. 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 But if you add the NFL and then you do the power five, that's almost a hundred jobs. Those are the a hundred best jobs as a head coach in football. Mm-hmm. Like what percentage of like, they're in the top 100 jobs in that field. What percentage of power five coaches do you think don't understand it? I would say that it's almost 50%. Yeah. I'd say it's probably about right. They and if it's 50%, don't understand a, that it's a talent acquisition business. And they're at places that will allow them to not understand it because they know that there's not, um, uh, a ceiling there or they feel like they can't do better. But I, I I'm under the impression that even if you are Washington state or Syracuse or a team that basically is on Mars, if you get the right person who understands how to do it, that you can improve any program. I think mm-hmm. any outside of Alabama, which is on its ceiling, the there's no reason why a team should ever be like, we stink and we're always going to stink. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that the fundamental improvement that Auburn has illustrated just by getting a coach, you know, who gets it, and there might be people rolling their eyes at this because he, uh, you know, the baggage that he brings there. But if we're talking about football, if we're talking about getting good players to come to your team and we're getting uh, talking about like scheming, like Hugh Freeze is a is a coach that Nick Saban would have to do a double take on when they hired him. Like yeah. th- that's somebody that you have to think about. And I think that alone, um, you know, whatever happens this year happens. But I think in year three uh, or year two. Like the thing that is is craziest to me about Auburn too, is that they had a coach and fired a coach that inexplicably beat Alabama f- semi regularly, mm-hmm. and like if you can just find a coach at Auburn that can do that once every three or four years, at least as Alabama is the current iteration of itself, like I think that's a victory, and I think Hugh Freeze will, I think like the over under for wins over Alabama in the next decade should be set like at three or three and a half. Yeah. Is that a fair let's, thought? Let's not forget. Auburn is the same program that had a coach win a national championship and the guy that replaced him got to a national championship. Yeah. There's not there's not a ceiling on the program. You can win the whole thing. It's just there. really, really good and then really, really bad and then really, really good. Yeah, the roller really, coaster really stuff is weird. Yeah. I you know, I, I I can't really explain that. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, let's get to the big dogs. Will, the big will dogs. Georgia, yeah, will Georgia three-peat? And how does this offseason affect them on the field? Um, well, let's start with the easy stuff. Mm-hmm. They're definitely going to make the playoff. I can't yes. come up with a... I'm with I can't, you. I cannot come up with a scenario in my head where they lose enough games. Because even if they lose one, which is like impossible to predict right now based on who they're playing. They probably will lose one. But we won't be able to see. But they're going to get in even with one. Yes. And they're going to get a benefit of the doubt based on what they've done in the past, the amount of talent they have on the roster. All right, let's run down this schedule real quick. UT Martin, Ball State, South Carolina, UAB, at Auburn, Kentucky at home, at Vanderbilt, Florida in Jacksonville, Missouri at home, Ole Miss at home, at Tennessee, at Georgia Tech. So we we did this exercise in in our hot takes show about how many games are theoretically losable that would not cause you to fall over if you heard that they lost that game. They Let's are a double-digit favorite in every game here. So, like, when I'll you say, sit here I'll and... Say, I'll say what? The, 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 I, I probably would fall over if they lost the cocktail party. I'm going to say Ole Miss at home, at maybe Kentucky at home, and at Tennessee. At but, Tennessee's the only one where I'd be like, okay, maybe... The other Listen, two, man. that's like that's like fringe. I'm gonna rain on your Tennessee parade over there, Mister Knoxville. <laughs> Did you watch that game last year? And I that was Tennessee at its best. Yes, like I recognize like, they're they're it's like, tough, but at it the end of the day, you're still going on the road. Like it everybody is, who's still going been on like the road. waiting for six weeks to get the show back. Let me just tell you, dudes everywhere isn't going anywhere. This is true. They will systematically suck your soul out of your chest if you don't have the players on your team to compete. And they will do it like a what's that snake that goes around you and then Anaconda. Anaconda, where they like goes around your stomach and then just like sucks your air out of you. Mm-hmm. Um uh I think there's another word for it that actually is a little literal meaning of that. But um <laughs> Well the, the the reality is that this offense, the Baylor offense that Tennessee runs. It's kryptonite is when you go up against teams that have better athletes. And we yeah. saw Keely Ring the the, the the play that that personifies it perfectly is Keely Ringo running step for step with Cedric Tillman on a deep ball that hey, you know ever supposed Hooker, to run. I see Cedric Tillman, I throw it up to him and he just nobody runs step for step with, with with Cedric. Like that's, that's the whole <laughs> point. And like I yes. understand that. So like listen, it's on the road and we just got done with a year where Tennessee beat um Alabama at home. Um, you were there, and I'm surprised that you survived that. Um, in the best possible way, because that's college football. Like at it was it's very like, fun. The, that is the most fun night form. of work I've had. It but was it's fantastic. the purest form of college football that you could like. I don't know what game you would have to do to make it better than the experience of that game. Like if it's I unbelievable when we're at home as national writers, we go to games sometimes. We're at home sometimes. When we're at when I was at home for that game. The Schadenfreude is that the word? No, the FOMO. Close. The yeah, FOMO, FOMO that I yeah. had. I've never had more intense FOMO of like if I could be at yeah, any single uh, place ever. Um, that was the place that I would want to be. And I remember producer, in the third quarter, just laughing in the press box and looking. I was like, "This is amazing. This is like the sport at its absolute best. Just like two great teams throwing haymakers, scoring like, a lot." That was yeah, it was unbelievable. That was but, like I think the gold standard for me, the most fun night of work that I had had was the insane Nebraska Texas A and M game in 2010 when Nebraska was on its way out of the Big 12, and that was a crazy game. I'm sure a lot of our listeners may not remember it, but Tennessee Bama passed it. That was the best game I've seen in person and the most fun night of work that I've had. So our producer, Cam, who is always there to help me from being an idiot, help me out here. It's a boa constrictor, and it's actually constricting. And don't that's what Georgia do the same thing, though? I don't know. I'm not a snake specialist. Yeah. All I know is uh, that boa constrictors will go around your chest and suck the air out of your – and I, it's like I know it's at home, 
But I just don't know by the time that they actually play that game, which I believe is in mid-November, like there is yes, no like, way that Georgia is not going to be peak Georgia. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, do you think a do you think that Georgia is a team that's susceptible to grab ass to losing a game? Yeah, that well, they this should is, not this lose. The same team that was losing double digits to, to Missouri on the road last year, but they did not lose. And how many times under yeah, Kirby Smart in the last it'll two be a game years? That, well, this is the issue. No, Kirby Smart talked about it at, big, at SEC Media Days. Complacency is the issue. And this will be the test of their program. It's one that Alabama has passed time and time and time again. Is can you get up for, you know, when you're playing South Carolina at home in week five or whatever, where you think, oh, we killed them last year. We got them. Can you, do you still do that extra film study? Do you still do those extra reps in the locker room? Do you still want it as bad as you Especially for three in a row. Yeah. And that's why nobody Um, wins three in a row. So, um, I just like, that's the thing. It's like, oh, well, they're going to lose a game. Which one? Oh, I can't tell you. Like yeah, that, exactly. I struggle with that. I struggle with that. But you're not supposed to be able to predict the upset that ruins a team's schedule. But even if they were to lose to Kentucky or to Ole yeah. Miss or even on the road at Tennessee, they still get into the Big 12 or, I mean, the SEC championship game. They probably win the SEC championship game because teams like Georgia and Alabama uh, thrive in that environment, that indoor, you know, mm-hmm. play at your, your peak level. So I don't know what team beats them when they get to the final four this year. So I'm going to say that they do, uh, they do three Pete. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the thing too, about, you know, being here in, in mid to late July is like your perspective of that shifts, like by week three, when you finally get your eyes on, on things that you can't, you know, possibly foresee happening. So mm-hmm. I think that the layup is Georgia. And the the fact of the matter is, is that if you, Need a medicine for complacency, Dave. The schedule is certainly a nice, you know, nice break for them because they don't have a lot of games against Penn State-ish type teams that are like re- pretty good or really good, um, um, but not not great. So, mm-hmm. um, so do you want to go to uh, the hard part about this discussion? Um, yeah, the off the I mean, field Georgia's, stuff that that they've dealt with. It's been. You know, a, a rocky offseason for Georgia. Um, you know, when you start your parade by, you know, losing uh, two people in your program, you know, one player and one staffer. You know, that's that's a way to that's that's a sober way to start it. I think for me, the word that I just keep that has kept kept coming to mind since all of that, since we've seen all of the speeding issues that have come after those deaths is mm-hmm. I keep coming back to the word disrespectful. It disrespects the memory of your mm-hmm. teammates and uh, to say, hey, they died because they did this thing. I'm going to continue doing this thing. Continue going 30 and 40 miles over the over the speed limit, um, you know, in residential areas and in areas where not only am I posing a danger to myself and cars around me, but, you know, there's people out walking. You know, you're in a residential area. This is This is something that, you know, with as many issues as they've had, um, you're, you're playing with fire and that's disrespectful when you've seen people pay the ultimate price for making bad decisions, um, to say, mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm not going to learn from that. Um, so that's, that's kind of where I stand as far as the, the AJC feud, you know, I, I, I think it, we haven't seen a program sort of come out as fiery, um, as we have when, when, uh, the AJC ran that story about, um, how Georgia has handled sexual assaults. And I think certainly, Reading through it, um, and reading through Georgia's response and the the corrections since, you know, I think the crux of the story is if you're going to allege that a program has kept eleven players um, that have been accused of violence against women or sexual assault, you probably should run that in the story. And then when you can't run it, when you don't run it in the story, it's kind of like, well, okay, where'd that number come from? Georgia asks for it. The reporter, you know, in most situations, you would give that information very quickly. So the fact that you don't, no one seems to know where this 11 number came from. I remember the right. Adam Anderson case. I felt like Georgia handled that fine, mostly. I, I think the timing of when they learned was a little bit muddy. But once it was sort of out there, he didn't play for them again. Um, but and that so, number is the story. If you That's have the, the story is that you have 11 yeah. people and they're still in your program. And I'm like, I, I don't remember any of these cases. If they're doing this, they're covering it up. But that's clearly not what has happened. And so that seemed unfair, and the AJC has, has since fired the reporter. And, uh, you know, I don't think harassing a reporter is a, a good thing. Harassing anybody online or, or anywhere is a good thing, but certainly it, it was not well-done work. Um, and so, you know, I think when you violate journalistic standards, you certainly leave yourself open to 
having somebody else control your fate. And and I understand why George is frustrated. And I think ultimately, you you've got to control what is happening in your program and guys, um, you know, making bad decisions, putting themselves and others at risk, and doing so, like I said, in a way that's disrespectful to the memory of people. It's like you didn't learn anything from this. Um, well, that's and a Dave problem. too, there is like because I kind of took exception. Because Kirby Smart has said this on the radio, and I think he said it at SEC Media Days. And I take exception to the notion that he's just saying, well, speeding is going to happen. Because there's a difference between getting pulled over going 32 and a 25 Mm -hmm. and blowing over the speed limit by 30 or 35 miles an hour. I saw just, uh, you know, as we're recording this, that Jordan Addison was pulled over um, going 140 miles an hour. And it's like, I'm like thinking to myself, like, did we learn nothing from what Henry Ruggs went through? Yeah. You know, it's like, and I, I also too, listen, I got a lot of speeding tickets when I was in, in high school. So I'm not trying to act like I'm like high and mighty. Like I like got close to losing my driver's license cause I kept getting them. Now they weren't as egregious, but like, I just wasn't paying attention and I'd be going 55 and a 40 or whatever. And it's like at a certain point, you know how to cut that out. it's like, if I lost a teammate, or a former teammate um like that would be the thing that i think about every day you know and like if you're the head coach i don't think that the right message to send is well we're not going to be able to stop speeding because everybody gets tickets it's like okay i don't think it'd be the same thing as like newsworthy if somebody got pulled over in a speed trap driving to vegas like you know it's 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 the egregious nature in, in the complete disregard for the safety of yourself and others that I think is the problem. So, well, I think that's the thing is like, regardless, like, this, you know, football on the field is a results business. And regardless of whatever Kirby has done, clearly the message is not getting through because you're still yes. having these issues and how you fix that, I think is more complicated than just, you got to kick off the next guy who does. I think it's more complicated than that. Um, yeah. But for whatever reason, the, the, the message is not sinking in and, and, you know, Everything is going right for Georgia right now, and all the problems that have befallen the program in this offseason have been largely self-inflicted. And and that is that is a dangerous place to be because that's the one thing that's sort of threatening them on the field. And, you know, we'll see kind of what that looks like. But um it's been it's been sad to see. And like I said, I think the thing that the you know, since all the stories have come out, I think that's my overwhelming takeaway has just been, man. If I was the family or someone close to um, people that died and then I saw teammates continue to do this, it's I'd, like it didn't even I'd be furious. I'd be yeah. furious. Um, and that's where I kind of keep coming back to. So. Yep. Okay. So we said that we would do five-ish and we had a few more that were that were written out, but we're going to do the three. We get to we're going to do a few already. more. But real quick, rapid fire, who got um, who got the coordinators right and wrong? Not a, Not a Tommy Reese fan. Uh, big Liam Cohen fan at Kentucky. I think Kentucky bringing him back, they'll pay off huge dividends. Big year for Kentucky. Okay, real quick, who's winning the quarterback job at Ole Miss, Alabama, and Missouri? Jackson Dart holds on. Okay. I'm gonna say Jake Garcia wins it at Mizzou. Okay. And I'm gonna say I my gut says Jalen Milrow, but I think by the end of the season, it's Tyler Buckner's job at Alabama. Interesting. Interesting. I don't know if I'm alone here, but like I covered a game last year that Milrow played and it was a game so they I. almost lost. I was at the Arkansas game. He can do some special things. He's got he's got a little it factor. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't think dismissing him and, and a big jump this year. I think that the reason why people dismiss that notion is because they took Buckner. But like, I don't know if taking Buckner means that they're not confident in him. It's just a matter of how much you want to read into that. So I, I'm excited to I'm see gonna, who wins I, that I job. I lean that way because I think there is a level of trust with Buckner and Reese that I think if you get into it in the season and you're and Tommy Reese is the guy you know heavily influencing these decisions, I think there's a trust and a relationship there if you're willing to take him and you have a history with him that is not there with the other guys. That I think especially if they have some rocky games early, I think he says, "Hey, let's get let's go back to the game manager mode. Let me get this guy that's not going to lose this game because I think Jalen Miller could win them some games." I think he I think he might lose them. So he might he can win them some games. I think he can lose them some games too. Yeah. Uh yeah, that trust thing is funny to me. Um because like 
I trusted my 1998 Civic when I had it in high school, but I'd much rather have a nicer car. <laughs> you know, like, I, I don't know. Like, that's a, uh, a thing. Okay, so let's go to superlatives now where we have some season-ending awards. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll both start out with breakout team. And then what we're going to do, we're going to do this this way, Dave. I'm going to go first on one. Then you'll go first on the next one. Okay. Do you want to go first on breakout team or do you want me to go first? I'll do it. I'll do it first because we'll be brief. My breakout team, we've covered them extensively on this show. Ari, congratulations to your lovely wife, Brittany, for the Aggies. Impending success. Big year for the Aggies. I think they finished second in the West ahead of Alabama, behind LSU. But a big year, double-digit wins, and all is right in Aggie land until... Bobby Petrino possibly gets a head coaching job after the season. I also have AM as my breakout team because of my Aggie cult wife. And the reason why I say that is because I don't know if this happens to you, Dave, mm-hmm. but in columns that I've written um, on The Athletic, which I want you to go subscribe to and read. Um, and if you hate me, then just subscribe to The Athletic. And I mean, it's, it's incredible stuff, not just in college football, but all sports. But there have been people who have like repeatedly comment about my wife in the comments of my stories. And I wrote a call about the big 12 uh, on Wednesday that got people fired up. And you, you told me that they would. Um, and somebody write, uh, wrote Ari's wife for full disclosure, went to SMU and uh, she basically is the puppet master behind this opinion because SMU and Houston were big rivals of the AAC and they took Houston over SMU in the expansion of the they conference. They cracked the case. That's really good detective. Can work, you actually. imagine the psychosis <laughs> that has to go through a human being's mind to like not only convince themselves that that's true, but like it's not even she didn't go there. Like everybody knows <laughs> that she's a tech she went she's a, a cultish Texas ag. I've got the helmet in here somewhere. Um, and also my wonderful, beautiful wife could not name a single player in the entire sport. That's, that's how much buy-in she Neither has. could mine. And also uh, I, I enjoyed your wife. I came and visited you in February and your yeah. wife telling me how she went to A&M without ever visiting the campus. Incredible story. Incredible we should have story. her on. We should have her on to discuss <laughs> it, that. It because did remind my- me, Ari, I, I did remind me of when I was covering the big 12 for ESPN. There was a group of Iowa state fans that were furious at me because I would never give Iowa state a fair shake. Because they found out that my dad went there and that I hated my dad, who was the co-best man in my wedding. Uh, so I do not hate my dad. He did go to Iowa State, but so they, were they, they, don't, they were convinced that, that, that this is why I was never giving Iowa State a fair shake. So never, never put limits on where the internet can go with insane theories, especially in the world of college football. Can you just picture a four foot eleven Las Vegas girl going to A&M? <laughs> Without visiting, it's, that's it's my so wife's good. life story. It's so yeah. good. I oh man, um, I wish she had had the camera with her when she first went. The to, first day to she Aguilar. got there, she was like, "What the hell did I do?" But then it turned out to be a place. <laughs> You've that never now, been to College Station. You just there's palm trees it's, there. It's not and that it's, it's quite not a place. nice. It's just a culture shock. It's you know? a, you it's go from just, there's no more like the it. MGM Grand to <laughs> College Station, and it's just a little bit different. So okay, yeah. offensive player of the year. I'll go first. Um, mm-hmm. Is it just Brock Bowers here? I mean, I don't no. know. Maybe Quinson, Brock Bowers, Quinchon. No, Brock Bowers is the best player in the country. But I and you, you talk to coaches and people will be wowed about. It. I have not heard coaches gush about a player like they do Brock Bowers in quite some time. But, but the numbers aren't going to be there. The number yeah. no, the numbers aren't going to be there because and people are stupid. He's the best offensive player. Yes. Did you just call me stupid? No, I think people like just oh. no. I'm saying people won't it's recognize. Okay if you did. It's, it's no, fine. people won't recognize how good he is because the numbers won't be there. Oh, okay, I see. And I think he'll yeah. put up modest numbers again this year because you have Dominic Lovick, you had Rara Thomas, but he is, I think, the best offensive player in the league. But the guy who will win Offensive Player of the Year is Mr. Quinshawn Judkins at Ole Miss. Yeah, well, um, certainly had a breakout year last year, um, and he was number two. Two thousand yards, baby. Two thousand yards. It's on the table. But also, too, like if you look at Georgia. Why don't you think he that Browers Bowers would have the numbers if he's like a generational talent at this? Like we've seen because this is the way they carry. use him. They have a ton. Of, there's a ton of mouths to feed. They don't have to force feed him the ball. If he went to like I don't know Florida or something where they didn't have any other weapons and you had to throw him the ball 120 times a season, then he'd probably have crazy numbers. He'll have the highlight plays. He'll have some crazy stuff. But I think you know 60 catches, 70 catches, you know 900 yards. I don't know 10 touchdowns. It doesn't change the fact that he's the best offensive talent in the league, 
Um, but then, but people don't pay attention to that. They're going to pay attention to the numbers. So yeah, you're that's we're also right too, is what a, I'm saying. As a, as a Heisman <laughs> Trophy voter, the over reliance on statistics drives me nuts. I would like to say that I voted for Kyle Pitts third the year he had the crazy year. Also, could you imagine drafting Kyle Pitts in the top six and then never using him? <laughs> Apparently, I could because we've seen it come to fruition. That's it's unbelievable. Sight. It's like, you know, when you die, you get three questions, okay? <laughs> and you ask uh, God these three questions, and God. I don't is, think this is, is accurate, but all right. Uh, what? This is what I think happens. You get three <laughs> questions, and you can ask him anything that you want. Um, mine would be what happened to flight MH370, the Good Malaysian question. Airlines plane. Like, where the they hell crashed. Is they crashed, Ari. Where is the debris? The ocean's very big. Buddy, I get that. Half the plane's bu- <laughs> is buoyed. Bu- buoyed. <laughs> Where's the debris? It's not like it's a big place, but they spent a lot of time looking for this thing. No one knows where it went. And they're like, we're not going to look anymore. Like, that was the answer. Um, and then two is why doesn't Kyle Pitts get the ball thrown to him more? And then the this third. This is a good use of your time. Yeah. I, honestly, the amount of bandwidth it takes up in my brain is a lot the the airplane missing thing because an airplane's supposed to go up and it's supposed to go down in this world mm-hmm. can't disappear that it that it just it can't like it's it's is your human. third question about what happened to John Benet Ramsey. <sighs> um, <laughs> that would be I'm a pretty true. Do you know I listen to like murder podcasts and stuff in my spare no, time? No, my wife does. I don't particularly. Okay, yeah, that would I mean it would be that would be up there, but there are other true crime unsolved cases that I would be more uh, interested in based on just my, uh, you know, I go to the casino once a week up here and I, I, uh, my thing is my my wife puts the baby down and she lets me drive up to the casino and I'll, you know, it's like my cone of silence where it's seven o'clock on Saturday, the sun's setting and I drive up there and I play poker for five hours and I'm like in my car listening to like the most vile (laughs) true, true, true crime podcast. And like, that's my me time. Uh, so we, we, I'll definitely- share some with you and your wife, uh, and you can see which ones you like. Okay, defensive player of the year. Am I first or you? You you are right. We can just say it at the same time. One, two, three. Harold, Harold Perkins. Perkins. <laughs> okay, let's Dude's just go. insane. He's insane. He's insane. That's Good it. Luck. He's I'm insane. Sorry to the quarterbacks listening. It's going to be a long year for y'all. So. Yeah, and I have a theory about college football. If you are going to be a special player on either side of the ball, or you're going to be the type of player that we're talking about in the top ten. You know it very early in your career, mm-hmm. for the most part. The second that guy stepped onto the field last year, it's it was insane. Yeah, watching him chase down Malik Hornsby last year, I was just like, Malik Hornsby is probably last year. You know, he's since transferred, but he was probably the fastest total quarterback in the SEC. And Harold Perkins just was like, "Nah, I got you." No, we'll just like, go ahead what? and take you down. Yeah, it's like we'll like, get that. Oh yeah. my gosh. <laughs> um, okay, Coach of the Year, which is kind of juicy. You go first. Mark Stoops, big year for Kentucky. What's a big year for Kentucky look like? Nine wins, ten wins, maybe. Okay. Um, first of all, best job in America. Second of all, I thought he's done a yes. tremendous job there. He has. The, you, you have a man that understands exactly what needs to be done to build a roster there. And they have improved Kentucky football um, so immeasurably that it wouldn't have even seemed possible But before he got there. Leaking into Ohio, know. fantastic move. For yeah, he's like ruined the Big Ten. I mean, like the rest of the Big Ten, you know, things are getting better there. But there are so many players on on Kentucky's roster that should be on Wisconsin's roster or Michigan State's roster that just go to the SEC. And you they've know, done great con- work in Nashville, yeah. also in the portal. They've had a nice, yeah. couple of nice pickups. But what's their job. ceiling there? Like they've they won nine games once under him, right? Uh, I'd have to go back and look. I mean, at the I end think of the day, one time. Sh- at the end of the day, you're sharing a division with the preeminent program in the sport, so. That's not a great life to be living, um, but I think they can win a bunch of games this year, and I think they yeah. Do. Mine is going to annoy you, I think. Okay. Layup time, Nick Saban. I think they're going to well, be much better than they I are. Don't, when they I don't go think they're going to lose. Three, nine I don't and think three. anybody's. I don't think when they go nine and three, I don't think anybody's going to be. I really just do Saban. not think they're going to go nine and three, man. I really. Don't. I think they lose to Texas. I think they lose to Ole Miss. And they God, if they lose to Texas and I'm still wrong about Texas, I swear to God, I'm going to retire. You're going to be. Okay, You're going to be. They beat, if they go on the road and beat Bama and, and then, then they, they stay not off games to Kansas Ari, State. Have you and met fuck- Texas? Have you met Texas? <laughs> they absolutely will do that. <laughs> God. It's just like it bothers me because I feel like you agree with me, but you won't admit it. 
You agree uh, with me about Texas, but you will not admit it because you're just like because the one thing I hate about analysis, and I know that you have to do it sometimes. We did it on the show with Georgia of are they going to lose to who? I don't know. Like I don't like that <laughs> idea because yeah. it makes me uncomfortable. Analysis is supposed to be driven from from what you know. Uh, and not just like, well, it happened before, so it'll happen again. I said I Iowa that. State and Kansas State, so there you go. Um, God, okay, this is the SEC podcast. Well, Texas is my going. conference champion, LSU. My conference champion, Georgia. And I guess if you're going, I think you should write a column about that. Get people real fired up about why you believe in LSU. <laughs> um, well, Georgia. I think Georgia's the best team, but I just think that in a third year, it's very hard to get people stay invested and to show up for 12 consecutive games and be get to the finish line. I have some questions about Carson Beck. I think things will be easy for him. I think they'll be fine. They're going to win a bunch of games. But LSU, I think, can test them. And I think there's a chance this Georgia team could get to Atlanta and be untested. And I think, I LSU think can, that if Georgia LSU can is compete gonna, with them on the lines, Georgia is going to lose. They're going to lose some grab ass game that they, they just will. Don't care but about. that doesn't. But that. But that's they just aren't going to lose showing up. They're not losing. I think LSU. Game. I think LSU can go toe to toe with them and win. And I think they will. Yeah. Well, if you're right about that, then we'll give you your your flowers at the end of the year. Um, All right. Well, Dave, thanks so much for knocking that out with me, um, buddy. Until Saturday, follow the podcast on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, and leave the thumbs up on the review and subscribe. All those things uh, wherever you get your podcasts, and of course, in this episode description, uh, we will. Uh, have a link displayed for our YouTube channel. That's where you're going to catch me and Dave quite a bit um, on Saturday nights after the primetime game this year. I'm excited. Um, I'm excited for the season. I'm pretty ramped up. That SEC show just hit differently, didn't it? It kind of got it you does, like but it's I like will say, Ari, I'm gonna, I should prepare our listeners. I'm going to be doing a lot of those Saturday night shows from Denver, Colorado. <laughs> yeah, you are. Well, I'm going to be I'm going to be going some places too. So from press box to press box, we'll get you. I cannot wait for the Saturday show. It was my favorite thing to do last year, um, and we're going to be doing it again. So. Uh, We will catch you soon until Saturday.